Welcome to Taking the P, Episode 4, a conversation about life, health, and overcoming the challenges we face on our individual journeys. This time, I speak to Aid Atterbury about long COVID. Aid is a senior specialist biomedical scientist in the Department of Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the Royal Sussex County Hospital. He worked in both the pharmaceutical and food industries before joining the NHS. We have a good old convo waffle about how Aid contracted COVID-19 in March 2020, very early in the pandemic, when much less was known about the virus. Aid discusses how this has affected him at work as well as personally. Aid speaks candidly about his physical and neurological challenges and explains what it's been like for him living with long COVID, a condition which it seems many others are also having to deal with now. There were a few technical gremlins with the sound quality, so I apologise in advance. So get ready, here we go! Excellent to see you. <laughs> yeah, great to see. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. It's a uh, good, good, quiet uh, Sunday afternoon. Yes, it's turned a little bit colder here today, so we're um, just uh, been out to a garden centre very excitingly with my mother before she left. Um, so my least favourite occupation, which is going <laughs> around garden centres, but Emma likes it, so. Um, as a, a dutiful husband and the kids like it as well because they got food out of it so uh, you know what it's yeah. like yeah any food and <laughs> I'm trying to be a more um planty person i get uh well basically try to try and make my uh my flat look not look like i'm a serial killer just try and get some kind of uh, look look like i can take some responsibility about things and i've kind of uh and i've got a, i've got a few plants about the place i'm slowly dying <laughs> one is not being in the kitchen it, it no longer has any leaves and i'm gonna have to accept it's uh, it's not coming back <laughs> yeah we are pretty rubbish at keeping plants alive well i i am i'm not a gardener at all emma likes uh pootling around outside but i've never really been interested in gardening well i can if they need anything more than water then uh, then i'm in trouble really because i know <laughs> nothing about them so tell me a little bit about what you uh what you're uh, doing for a living about yourself a little bit and you know this is uh, a podcast you're going to talk today about you've had an experience with covid so it's the current hot potato of our uh, general universe <laughs> and uh, with a uh, with a with a sense of irony uh, i work in microbiology i'm a, uh, a biomedical specialist biomedical scientist in the, uh, the mm. microbiology department at the royal sussex hospital part of that again with a special irony was we were the one of the labs service covid testing response so it's uh it's basically been, uh, there's there's not been a a single day since about february 2020 mm. where i haven't heard the word covid mm. covid is definitely the thing at the moment before covid sort of went off on this 
amazing explosion in the lab i take it that there wasn't anything really going on that you're you're just getting on with your work and your life and the most of us were you aware of it earlier than other people or did you have any sort of knowledge of it because i mean it crept up pretty quickly on me it did to be honest my my judgment has been appalling all the uh, all the way through <laughs> to begin with it was one of those diseases that was kind of uh, happening to other people hmm. far far away and uh, mm-hmm. it looked like kind of it was going to be SARS, SARS one, yeah, or uh, it's of course is uh, is SARS CoV two uh, and MERS, the camel disease, and uh, and both of those kind of uh, sort of awful diseases, but not hugely transmissible. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a there's sort of little outbreaks rumbling and kind of assumed it was going to be like one of those, but then all of a sudden there's kind of lots of people seem to be getting it, and then there were a few people in Britain who got it, and then my friends were asking me kind of, uh, do you think this is going to be a... And I said, uh, oh, of course not. It'll uh, soon... <laughs> Just blow over. Soon blow over. <laughs> and, uh, and I've not been allowed to get that. <laughs> You're like... Yes, uh, uh, yes. What's, what's the weatherman that did the... Yeah. Maybe a hurricane. <laughs> You're the same as uh, that. Yeah, Michael that's, Fish. <laughs> that's exactly it. I was, that's a, I was about as right as that. So, uh, uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was, as, as these exponential things are, there were sort of dozens of cases got the call to uh, set up a, a, a testing laboratory at this stage of course the tests barely existed mm. and it's uh, been a brand new uh, disease um, no one really knows how to deal with it so you have to assume you have to kind of aim everything high and then work down as you know more so, so, so there, are, there are four four categories of disease containment one is is uh, I'm not sure if anything's nice but about as nice as I get <laughs> uh, a real job to cause a, cause you any disease category two containment is uh, uh, is just your, your your normal everyday infections, which will go a bit horrible if uh, if unchecked, but are usually uh, mm. eminently treatable. A little bit more dangerous to us in the lab because we uh, silly enough to grow them. B is uh, is your more serious things, your TBs and typhoids and things. And that's the uh, that's the highest our lab. And then there are also the, the, the category four mm. kind of instant death things, uh, lassa fever and Ebola and uh, and all those kinds of things. But uh, we don't deal with those as a rule. So this one was originally pitched at uh, category three because this is causing kind of death sort of wrath of god stuff like ebola or uh, or marburg or one of those but it was need to be careful and and eventually settled down as category uh, uh, two plus the three level containment is doable when you've only got dozens of cases but then should that turn into hundreds of cases then it's a bit trickier to work as i say as as more became known about it it's awful as it's gone through the the population but not as not as bad as as it could have been you mentioned things like the swine flu and sars Mm. you know obviously we've had these things before and we've been told all pandemic pandemic and it's never happened so what's different about covid that makes it so much more of an issue in a pandemic across the world everybody got it because <laughs> it's uh, i mean the, a lot of these things certainly have the have the potential to cause a pandemic flus we're, we're well overdue for a, a bad flu pandemic but we have usually public health measures in place and, and these things are nipped in the bud well bird flu is a, a case in point and of course in, uh, in in microbiology if you succeed everyone says well what was the point of that then because <laughs> yeah only only 100 people got it and uh, was the point of us uh, vaccinating everybody and that kind of thing but of course you know only 100 people got it because you vaccinated everyone and took measures yeah the difference in uh, the the numbers and the fact that it's a completely novel disease so we had to begin with we had nothing to stop it apart from right. public health measures yeah. and no one really knew again this is one of the problems as uh, as timing goes on because originally it was assumed that it was droplet spread 
uh, MERS and, and SARS, so only someone standing naked up off a, a surface or something. So hmm. hand washing and surface decontamination was emphasized. But now, of course, uh, as things have gone on, it's, uh, it's now categorized as, a, as an airborne pathogen. Right. In fact, I, I think it's caused people to think more about how everything's transmitted. So yeah, rather than um, kind of sitting on the side of a glass screen kind of thing and, and expecting that to protect you, now the emphasis is on ventilation. You've right. got to kind of treat it like cigarette smoke, basically. <laughs> if someone in the room's got it or if various people have got it, then they'll, they'll just be mm. breathing it out and it'll be slowly building up in the air in a big uh, big poisonous cloud. So I wouldn't be wanting to go on an aeroplane or is that a good thing because of the air circulation? I think they filter the air on aeroplanes. Ah, uh, so they're better than, uh, than your they, office. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the the thing that made aeroplanes more dangerous was when they banned smoking, because when you could smoke on aeroplanes, they had to bring in fresh air from the outside. No, you don't smoke on an aeroplane, the air is largely um, recirculated. Hmm. which is cheap to do, bad if you've got people. <laughs> that said, I, I, I don't think we've had kind of plane loads of people staggering off planes with terrible coughs and things. Air travel must be uh, relatively safe. There's certainly a few papers on uh, on bus and train travel. Because you work in microbiology, do you think that you take a sort of stronger interest in what's going on or you just like everyone else? You're not, you're not really that interested. If you're dealing with it in the lab and you, you've got colleagues working with you, it must have been quite strange to sort of have this suddenly foist upon you especially for the NHS that is under strain anyway well we um, we expected it the, uh, the the difference for us the, the health service gets uh, and indeed the, the government gets criticized for uh, not predicting this <laughs> and of course you can't predict this pandemic but you predict a pandemic mm. you know something's going to be mm. coming along at some point about once every uh, 10 years or so <laughs> reset my clock now <laughs> well the last one I mean there was a you know there's a there's a flu pandemic in uh, was it 2009 2000 nine or two thousand one of the two but you know that didn't fashionably catch the headlines but um but usually as a, as a, as a laboratory what happens is the plus side for us in a uh, in a, a, a huge global disease is where everyone suddenly notices we're here uh, and doing something useful and then we actually get uh, some funding and uh, a new equipment uh, mm. and, a, and a big sort of boot in everything we do which we kind of uh, which, which we kind of waited for and then uh, nothing came which was a little odd and then, uh, and then they we realised they'd gone a, a different route, and they decided to set up the lighthouse labs yeah. from uh, from scratch. So there's a bit of a sort of lag, and it, eventually we got, uh, we got we got some more uh, equipment and some funding for staff and uh, and what have you. And then we could properly uh, chug along with basically double the size of our apartment. Really? And yeah, I think we're all pretty proud of, of what we've achieved. We've, we've done pretty well. You know, that said, we haven't exactly uh, single-handedly ended misery but uh but for the sheer amount of work yeah we've, we've done well well you're kind of in the background unsung kind of people aren't you because really you're not front-facing are you so we're whenever you're going you get the thing stuck up your nose you know that it's got to go somewhere for exactly. a test but you're not necessarily aware of where it's yeah. gone i mean i've been in hospital recently and you've got to have your three days of isolation before you come in mm. and have a have a proper is it pcr test? yeah yeah is that right so what's the difference between a pcr test and a lateral flow then from the, the lateral flow tests are simple. They are accurate in one sense in that they are geared towards specificity rather than sensitivity. So if you're, if you're a positive, uh, if it tells you you're positive, 
you can uh, you can you can probably trust that result get it confirmed by the pcr test but if it's uh, if it's negative doesn't necessarily mean that you're negative if you see what i mean what they're designed for is is mass screening like they did in in liverpool last year hmm. trying to find a, a proportion of asymptomatic people and uh, and get them to isolate and, and take those kind of sources of disease out of the population as a the, the lateral flow test and you know that, that takes 15 minutes and uh, and you're there pcr test is for the uh, particular unique areas of dna which mm-hmm. are part of the organism and that's a much more expensive test which uh, takes a team of scientists three or four hours to do in uh, two different rooms on uh, six or seven pieces of equipment and is a, a much more involved business mm. so essentially the, uh, the the lateral flow tests are, are good for what they are a rapid screening test yeah. and you've got your your instant result and, uh, and the pcr test yeah. is, is more definitive i mean i'm talking to you because you have had covid fortunately i've not had it so far and i know that members of my family have no one's had it sort of seriously my father-in-law had a bit of a sort of chest infection alongside it and mm. had to have some antibiotics but i've not known anyone that's had sort of a longer exposure to it so i mean when did you get it or what happened you know what was the circumstances how did you realize what when did you find out so it's a kind of because initially you would have got it but you've obviously had prevailing symptoms mm. what happened and, and how it sort of developed and, and what it's affecting you you know how it's affecting you now yeah. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was an early adopter in uh, in many respects. <laughs> I felt about March 2020, and I'd kind of you know it was it was kind of getting going in the population by then. I was being careful. I was cycling to work, avoiding transport, yeah. pretty smug with my isolation techniques and uh, keeping networks small and that sort of thing. And in the, in the early days of when we were first setting it up in the lab, when we got the word to to go live, we got the tests, but we hadn't actually got any equipment. At that point, I got a, a molecular suite in the lab, which I'd uh, never worked in, but we were, we were going to go live that weekend. So I grabbed a colleague of mine who's uh, fairly unflappable and said, uh, you know, let's uh, let's get this going on uh, on Saturday. So we were in our... We're in the uh, the lab on Friday. I'm a bacteriologist, so I had one of the uh, the, the virology people talking us through the tests and uh, ready to get going. And thought, ah, yeah, that should be uh, uh, horrible but doable. Uh, went home and started coughing. <laughs> I thought, well, that's uh, wouldn't that be terrible if <laughs> <laughs> irony and ironies through the night cough got worse started feeling a bit crap and i thought i don't think i can go to work tomorrow I had to contact my colleague and uh, and uh, drop him in it it was also uh, a, a little bit jittery that had been locked in a small room with everybody who knew how to do that test I think. <laughs> at the time luckily didn't um, didn't pass it on i was in bed for three or four days with felt like a, a, a mild flu and a you know mild flu is still that sort of you know. cold flu that people call flu i mean kind of a proper disease and then started to get a bit better at the uh, at the time in the uh, we got uh, seven days uh, was the time we were allotted to to be ill with covid that was that uh, everyone had decided <laughs> so <laughs> my seven days was up and went back to work uh, kind of disinfected my work area and uh, and, and went home again mm. for another few days and uh, then started to feel a bit better and thought great and the and the advice for that as as you know as, as is good for most diseases is is get back to normal so when i was feeling a bit better i started cycling to work again didn't feel great of course the world was upside down and, and we were under a great deal of stress so it's, it's kind of hard to tell what's normal at that point and then a couple of months later i was still cycling to work where i I seem to be getting less fit, which was disappointing <laughs> for a man in his uh, <laughs> rapidly uh, encroaching middle age. 
and I can remember being outside just just doing a few jobs on my car, which was going for in for MOT, and I would quite enjoy tinkering around them. And uh, I think oh, I feel just weird. And then just started to get more and more symptoms. I lost the power of speech at one point to a large extent. I couldn't put a sentence mm. together. The, uh, the the fatigue is just utterly crushing. If any of my colleagues listen to this, I'll probably recognise this behaviour anyway. But I was kind of you know get to get to <laughs> halfway through the day and just fighting to stay awake. Yeah. At the brain fog thing, of course, I've read stories about people who couldn't work out how to put a seatbelt on and that sort of, and I can well recognise that. Couldn't work out how to copy and paste anymore. Brain just wouldn't work. <laughs> At that time, there was no such phrase as, as long COVID. And because I felt I got better, I just thought it must be stress or something or, or something else, or perhaps I'm just going insane. And, uh, <laughs> and when actually when kind of speech was having memory troubles, in fact, my, my first uh, hint of memory troubles was when I uh, completely forgot the existence of a colleague who'd, uh, who'd left the lab recently and uh, people were talking about her and uh, who? Yeah, left really? two months ago. What? No idea. And then they kind of, as I explained, kind of, oh yeah. And then I started noticing other kind of memory problems. And I thought, shit, maybe it's maybe it's Alzheimer's. And I tried to um, call my GP in uh, in, in Brighton. Mm-hmm. I still I hadn't moved my GP at that point. He was uh, singularly unsympathetic because we, uh, I mean, in the, in the early days, the, the, we couldn't test ourselves even when we were ill, uh, just because that, that would be stealing a test from a patient. Uh, so even when we were ill, we couldn't test ourselves. And, uh, and this is a problem most people have had who, who caught COVID in the early days is that it, I never had a positive test. And, uh, and so my, my doctor just didn't believe me. I could barely string a sentence together, and uh, which isn't ideal for a telephone consultation I came away from that and that was a, just an utter disaster i read a, a blog of a guy called paul garner and, uh, and although he's, he's, uh, it seems to have made himself a little less popular in certain quarters i did he was, he was describing his ongoing symptoms and they, mm. and, and they were and i thought well, jesus I can't, I'm, I'm not going crazy it's uh it's, this sounds very very familiar but then there's a, there's a there's a question of what do i do how is this is this uh is it, it going to go away of course no one knew anything i still don't really so was there a point where it reached crisis i mean how have you coped with it so far because it's sounding a bit worrying because anyone that was you know having to deal with this have you got anyone that you live with or do you live on your own it's been a, a, a sort of theme of your uh, your podcast I'm, I'm very male about being <laughs> ill i'm not i'm not good at being ill <laughs> i don't really know how ill is ill <laughs> if you see what i mean so i i kind of i didn't take any more time off work for example, that was a kind of conscious decision. And there was uh, a, a couple of reasons. One was I, I kind of felt I could at least do something. And also I, I thought if I if I stop work now, um, when do I start again? What if it doesn't what if it doesn't get better? With the known history, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. But uh, with an unknown disease, then uh, no idea. You know, what if, well, I still have a feeling as bad in mm. 10 years, but I just, you know, dribble <laughs> off the end of, uh, of, of working life and, and never have an income again or kind of keep turning up at least and, <laughs> and try and... Uh, you can't underestimate how good it is for your, your mental health to feel that you, you are actually able to do something about it because... For you know, for most people, this was something that was happening to them. The mm. world was doing something to them that, that, that they couldn't control. Whereas, um, yeah, we were at, at least could feel that we were actually uh, doing something about it and, uh, and contributing. Overall, I, I, I stayed at work for a, a, a long time. I thought that uh, I'd made a terrible decision because, of course, I, I had no idea. I kind of I, I could feel there was something going on inside my brain. No idea if continually using my brain was a good thing 
or uh, or maybe it was a terrible thing. If, uh, was I just trying to run on a broken leg and um, going to make it worse? And of course, I, I, I sort of put the physical symptoms on a um, secondary. There's certainly a lot of people worse off than me, but I mean, I couldn't walk a mile down the, the shops without a, a, a couple of rests. Still can't climb a set of stairs without uh, without getting breathless. Compared to a lot of other people, I'm not that badly off. Like I say, at least I can, I can keep functioning, I guess. I mean, I've had this issue where I've got low iron and climbing to the top of the stairs and then getting out of mm. breath. That really scared me because uh, I thought maybe my heart was going or something. Yeah. When it feels like running a marathon to walk upstairs or to walk sort of a few yards yeah, it, yeah. It, it's quite scary so it's not it's not something that you kind of you know we say it off the cuff you know we're talking about being blokey but saying that off the cuff I couldn't walk a mile to the shop my health isn't as good as it used to be but I used to walk uh, you know 10 15 miles across the downs and not think anything of it and now my health isn't as good as that anymore and I found that profoundly sort of worrying and upsetting um, and I know my condition is sort of a slow degeneration because of the kidney function when it's something like covid that you've just got this sort of weird virus and there's no kind of explanation it, it seems really mm. unfair <laughs> how how middle-aged are you 46 52 and a half oh so you're you're a bit over the hill then. but yeah you're, you're, you're probably the same as me though where you're kind of any sort of you, when you get to a certain age any kind of chest twinge or anything suddenly gets the mm. paranoia glands going and kind of oh is, it, what is, is this it <laughs> the only reason i knew that it wasn't my heart is that not that long ago i'd had an east uh is it an ecg and a proper sort of fitness test and i, I hadn't died during that so i was kind of they told me that my heart was just you know the age thing that it, it was doing something to do with mm. age but nothing that was meant that I was ill because my dad had had a heart condition and so obviously it was quite important to check uh, when you've got um, again that thing of like making sure that you do have your health MOT here and there because you don't want something creeping up on you you know other things can happen like testicular cancer just that's random as as can be there's no history Mm. in the family there's nothing uh, expected for that so that was a kind of kicking the balls to put it frankly so out of interest have you uh do you find you're prone to panic attacks and, uh, and anxiety uh no <laughs> is that is that something that you've you've discovered or has come on yeah definitely no i know and i've never i couldn't work out that it was kind of part of the part of the disease stress at work but i don't think so or, or kind of part of um covid as well because I, I kind of it's certainly new to me so is it is it worry? Do you think that worry or is it something different? Well, I mean, is it because you don't feel that you're functioning correctly? Panic attacks are usually driven by anxiety and then there would be worry or fear that drives it in the background of something. So, or is it just a, an un... Kind of why I was, I was asking you, because I, I got a, a, a chronic illness and uh, I wondered if, if it's a, a sort of parallel thing, but uh, but somewhere because it is... Certainly feels disproportionate in that some something will something small will set it off, which I, I wouldn't have thought would bother me. I think I think when you're mentally dealing with things, obviously if you've got a, a long-term chronic condition, you have longer to deal with it. Mental health is a big mm. problem because if you don't talk about it, so the biggest problem I had is before I had cancer and I wasn't really talking to anyone. And then I actually ended up having some counselling in July this year to do with my kidneys. As soon as I had the counselling, it relieved a massive burden because I didn't have anyone that I could mm. talk to that I didn't know. That was probably the hardest aspect was just talking to someone you don't know with no presupposed 
uh, opinion about you. So you could then offload and tell them all the old crap that you told, like, so Emma knows, my wife knows everything about me. That broken record thing that you don't want to do to your your partner or or friends, you know, you got close friends. As soon as I had someone to talk to that wasn't related, and I did get really, really emotional and upset because it it just let me open up on things I hadn't talked about to anyone for a long time and then to sort of come and actually start to face it one of the barriers you know one of the things that really i don't like the idea of is having dialysis because it then puts you onto a machine to be dependent to live and it's a very as far as i'm concerned it's very limiting and if you've been kind of fit and healthy for a long time and then it's only the past few years that my health has really declined uh, it's, it's very frustrating yeah. yeah even just at work i'm i'm extremely conscious that i'm mm. i'm not contributing as much as i used to and uh, of course my colleagues having to uh, pick that up but it's a it's a bereavement isn't it it's uh, the, the previous you gone and it's uh, and, and he's not coming back is it though well i think it is i, I think the the thing i think i'll get physically better but the the mental side of it has kind of plateaued and I kind of, it's, it feels like sort of mentally, I've, I've had a tooth out. Things have changed and, uh, and it's, yeah. and it's not coming back. Brain rewiring itself. Memory's got a little better. And my, uh, my working memory, I think what uh, psychologists term executive task switching, which I just could not do for a while. That kind of multitasking thing of being able to do one thing and do something else for a bit. Blah, blah, blah. And every time I took my attention away from something, that was just wiped like an etch sketch but that's that's come back a little bit i just uh, i don't have the processing power that i used to have i can't pick things out of lists or process information like i used to i think that's ever going to come fully back the old me is kind of uh, gone to some extent so i have to find a, a new way to live with a new me well have you had any um, mri scans uh, not yet i think that is probably is it's, it's kind of me and uh, and a hundred thousand other people and I, I kind of, I eventually got referred to my, uh, my new GP in Worthing is a, a, an awful lot more helpful. And I had a, a telephone consultation there, but I kind of tell her it was sort of pushing me down the fatigue route. And, uh, and I say that I wasn't bothered about that. I'm, 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 not, I'm not an athlete. I don't, uh, I don't dig ditches for a living. And I can feel that getting slowly better. So I'm not so worried about that. But I think I will at some point push for a, a cognitive assessment but also you know in that in that man kind of way i may not like the answers that come back so i'm uh, I'm sort of uh, dragging my feet a little to uh, push for that (laughs) so in terms of private so you've got your work life and obviously the work will continue and the routine continues there so that's probably a good thing on your private life what are things that you find that you've not been able to do mentally now that you wouldn't have faced you before for a while i kind of uh, i couldn't follow the, the the plot of a tv program or concentrate on a book and kind of even now i can't I, I honestly don't know if i'm better at following the plot of a film now or if my brain's just telling me i know what's going on because sometimes i kind of uh, sometimes I th- if i think about what's going on in, in a film i kind of I have no idea what's going on here but now i can't remember uh, if i ever used to or not <laughs> It's because uh, I, I never really, I, I never really took stock of how stupid I was before. What's the um, feedback mechanism that you you got then? Um, do you have colleagues that will tell you, or do you miss things, or are you mislaying things? Um, or, you know, what what happens at work? Do you know, you saying that? Do you get still get to that point where? In the afternoon, you, you basically want to have a nap. I still still get sort of COVID's all about kind of living within your a, a sort of window of energy that you you have and as long as i stay within that i'm okay but still get 
maybe a couple of times a week, sort of a, a period of brain fog where I just sort of good for nothing for an hour. But at least now it's not the rest of the day that will occasionally people expect me to know what's going on. And for a long time, I had no idea what was going on. Everything was just white noise going on around me. And I was just kind of trying to focus on the, the one task that was in front of me. And uh, that's got a little better now, but it's, uh, but there are times where it's, you know, more than one thing goes wrong at once. I'd just be completely overwhelmed and wouldn't be able to work it out and then have an anxiety attack and have to go and wander off somewhere. But now it's, it's just sort of a, a settled down. And a, again, even, even if, if, I do, if I've got a little time to prepare for something, I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, I do, didn't used to need that. I was good at thinking on my feet, but now I have to go away and have to think about something, even to the point of just reminding myself of the relevant words I'm going to use. Still now, if uh, if something comes out of the blue and someone comes and hits me with something out of the blue, I'll stand and nod in front of them, and uh, and mm. some of it goes in, but I'm certainly not going to be, and I will have to say at that point, okay, leave that with me, and I'll uh, I'll come back to you in a bit, and I'll go and pretend that I need to speak to someone about it or something, but in reality, I just need to go away and let the cog slowly, uh, slowly grind round. But the anxiety then... How do you deal with that? Because that's, that's something new that you didn't have. No, I've, I've never had anything like that uh, at all. And I kind of, uh, I, now I have sort of every sympathy with other people who do, because it was, um, it would be, I mean, sometimes, you know, it, 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 a healthy response to things that are going on. I kind of, yeah, I didn't used to get it. I used to quite enjoy uh, a crisis, sorting things out, and it would make, make life a, a bit more interesting. Then all of a sudden, it might, it might well have stemmed from like the, the time when I kind of, you know, just, just couldn't process it. So if things are coming at me from several different directions, then it just, it's just white noise, and I know I can't deal with it. Anxiety comes from that, so I don't think it's sort of stemmed from that. I feel I can deal with things a, a little better now, but I still get the creeping horrors when anything small goes wrong, even though I know right. I, can, uh, I can deal with it. Have you got any external support, you know, because if you're on your own, is, is there anyone that you've reached out to or anything that you know, is there a touchstone that you've got? Um, I wouldn't say a single one. I mean, I've got, I've got good friends, and I'm not, even though sort of part of me is a slightly Victorian male thing, but also I'm not, don't avoid talking about things. I think my, my main problem was for, for, for a little while that I would talk about things, but I don't think anyone believed me. And it was only as, uh, as, as it started happening to other people and became more known, people uh, did think, oh, maybe uh, maybe AIDS not just lazy. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, certainly the, uh, the, the, the mass pandemic has been a help to me in that respect. But, uh, but no, I don't think um, there's, there's, there's been kind of no one person kind of holding me afloat or anything. But certainly got a, a healthy, healthy network of, uh, of friends, which is, uh, yeah. So for me, uh, when you've got chronic condition you need to plan mm. and I feel like you know I've had to develop that over a period of time I'm just still trying to get somewhere with various health professionals and it is frustrating but do you do you feel that you have a, a plan you said that you're feeling like you're physically recovering it sounds like you you really would like to recover mentally a bit more as well well yeah I mean I, I kind of for, for many years I've, I've, I've never been someone who uh, who just quietly uh, lives in my head I've always kind of managed what goes on in there I think it stemmed from uh, years and years ago back in 2006 my sister died who's uh, she's only 43 and that hit me quite hard for a while in uh, in just everything a kind of completely lost sense of judgment but that was a, a, a terrible period so I kind of made an effort to find out current thinking on how the brain works and that kind of thing and uh, and, and and then got really interested in what judgment is and uh, and how decisions are made and mm. and that kind of thing and, 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 and kind of you know that was, that was my sort of route back into uh, into normal ways of thinking there's some things I know 
a good and I know a not good, like uh, the COVID clinic were kind enough to send me uh, a lot of helpful information, but one of which was uh, they sent me uh, a bunch of stuff on brain gyms. Luckily, I, I already know that uh, not any use, <laughs> but, uh, but I thought actually that's okay. uh, but, the, but the principle is a good idea. So uh, so I've uh, I thought uh, uh, well yeah I'll, I'll take up something. So I've, I've taken up chess on a. Uh, uh, something I kind of knew how the pieces moved but uh, but nothing else so I, I kind of started learning chess properly and also concerned I may even buy a piano I'm not sure about mm-hmm. that yet because I'm uh, I'm a man of short stubby hands but I'm not sure I don't <laughs> don't want to invest in uh, in something that may well just be a, a short-term fad but uh, but basically just yeah kind of yeah just make sure my brain's working in uh, in, in different ways and, uh, and possibly not a bad life plan anyway as the a, a study of a um What's a, what's a group of nuns called? I want to say a coven of nuns, but that's not right at all, is it? A, an order, that's the word. Not a coven, that's uh, something different. <laughs> that's the witches, isn't it? <laughs> so, another, uh, another, another group of women who practice uh, rituals. And a, a, an order of nuns who, uh, who, do, who are kind enough to donate their brains to medical science. <laughs> and, and these nuns, they all, they, 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 they all tend to grow to a, a great age and, uh, and don't tend mm. to suffer from uh, any kind of dementia-like illnesses but then the odd thing is their brains do their brains all show uh, signs of, of, of advanced age as anyone in the population to the point where they, they should be suffering from signs of alzheimer's or or, or similar but they're, but they're not uh, and the difference between these nuns and uh, and the rest of us is that they're just interested in stuff they're always learning they've always got projects on uh, when that's finished they've gone to something else and uh, and this wires the brain in a way to make it in- enormously flexible and if you lose one way of thinking about something your brain's used to having another way of thinking about it so kind of learning different things mm. is good so that's my plan back in that respect also I was a, a, a little worried that my uh, my personality might be changing you know if it was or not because it's one of those things that you know you won't know because you're always you so i mean that that was part of my rationale for kind of staying at work as well and uh, making sure i stayed in contact with friends through the lockdowns and uh, and what have you because there's you know, a personality to some extent is is a dynamic you act as you act but also to some extent you act as uh, as, as those who know you well expecting you to act it's a little bit of a, a, mm. a dance in that respect. So, so yeah, kept uh, a, a, a relations. You go out and socialise, don't you? So you've got a group of friends that you can. Oh yeah, definitely. Go definitely. Out with. Do you do you still drink? I mean, has it affected your kind of tastes? Uh, now my my sense of taste, I did lose I did lose it for a bit in the in the first bout I had, but then it uh, mm. it came back and that's uh, not been um, affected at all. My eyesight is worse than than it was, uh, and that that was something uh, profoundly weird and I, I did have a, a little bit of sympathy with uh, Dominic Cummings when he was he was giving his uh, rose garden yeah. uh, rose garden speech and when he talked about his eye thing and, uh, and I thought yeah I, I know what he means there because I I had that in the, the the first bout as well where I could see but I couldn't comprehend I wasn't able to read Right. For example, I could see the words okay, but I just couldn't take in the information. And I think that I mentioned I, I kind of still have trouble picking things off lists. We have a lot of mm. rotors at work, and I, I kind of often have to stare at those for a few minutes before any information starts going in. So I kind of a little bit of sympathy with, with that, but I, I chose to lay in bed for a few days and uh, not get into a car and, uh, and <laughs> go on a 30-mile drive. <laughs> what were we talking about? I've forgotten. Oh, that's the other thing, memory. <laughs> 
<laughs> plans plans that's it so yeah just um just kind of keep my brain active and uh and and just keep doing doing the normal things so the the keep those feedback loops going and uh, and stay being me and i've spoken to a, a i spoke to a, a couple of people at work recently who who, who said kind of well, you know, don't uh, they, they may just be being generous but so don't really see any difference now and i kind of think well it's sort of possibly the difference is previously it was like 80 percent of effort and uh, and now it's sort of a hundred percent of effort to kind of tick along at the same uh, at, at the same speed and again I'm, I'm kind of griping along but i know in the in the scheme of things i'm not uh, i'm not too badly off i can still function and i can still earn money and i can can get out of bed in the morning yeah there's one thing they asked me in the um in the in, in the questionnaire the covid clinic questionnaire mm. which i, I <laughs> was an enormously astute question but i didn't even realize it at the time did it take it any longer to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> at the time i thought you know what hadn't even noticed but yeah it's taken me bloody ages to get out of bed in the morning mm. and, and just because i was, was being kind of some of it is the fatigue and just like every morning getting mm. up for work was like the worst morning in the world put one sock on and then stare at the wall for 10 minutes and then the other sock on and stare at the wall for 10 minutes and i thought i hadn't even realized i was doing that but yeah it's taken ages to work yeah so on the age thing i think just thinking coming to my head about sort of existential crisis and all this mm. kind of stuff but Sounds poncy, but oh, I'm with it. it's more of a thing of, I think when you reach a certain age, you do really think about your life. So when something happens that is mm. more serious, it makes you think more deeply. So maybe the things that you're worrying about, they're the triggering things, and then that your sense of self, as you've just got it under the microscope. So maybe you've, you're seeing something that maybe isn't there and you're being critical on yourself, it's just because you're re-examining your life because of what's happened. You think I'm lying as well. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, and, I, and I'm perfectly aware of, of, of that. And I mean, I, 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 I hinted before that I kind of, I have the perception as the man I am now that I'm different to how I was then. But everyone's different. Yeah, but maybe, but, you, know, you know, I don't know for sure if that's just a feeling or if it's true. I mean, in some respects, I, I, I know I'm not as good as things as I was before because that, you know, that's measurable. I know I'm different. The inside of my head is at a different place to how it was two years ago. But there are some things, aren't there, that are, you could say, because I lost a lot of confidence and then I'm sort of slowly getting that back. And I, I think about when I was 20, I would do stuff that now... I wouldn't be confident enough to do, you know, I think in my head that I've just like walked up to people and said things and got into work situations. And now I would not be able to do that. Or I felt that I wouldn't be able to do it. So my confidence went. So that's a kind of tangible thing of, you know, I knew that I'd had and that, that had gone away. Whereas internal feeling of self is slightly different to that isn't it that's why i, I came down the side on the side of trusting myself then because I, I have the happy benefit of various little projects and things going on at work and i'm going back to stuff and i have no idea how i did it uh not even <laughs> it's not even just that it's it, it seems new to me I, I i'm looking at bits of maths and statistics and things where i've done and i'm looking at it and think hmm. wow that's clever <laughs> <laughs> guy who did that must have known what he was talking about and i and i can't i'm having trouble sort of um kind of backwards engineering what i know i did i don't recall it being like a big thing a couple of years ago to have 
to have worked all this out. It was just like something you did on the way to somewhere. I feel like I've taken over in a job from a, uh, a cleverer man than me. That's, in- that's interesting because I spent my whole life doing exactly <laughs> that, of writing writing something or doing something and then thinking, how the hell did I do that? And lurching from one thing to another. Oh, honestly, my sort of work life has always been... So at the moment, I do some coding where I work and I write this code and then I go back and look at it a month later and I'm like, well... I don't understand it. Pour les femmes, pour les hommes, pour les limas, slapdon, odeur des toilettes, slapdon, le nouveau parfum flagrant de Canal 5, slapdon. The premier fragrance from Channel 5. Available today from leading retailers. One thing I was a little nervous about, about how, uh, how this might go, was because I uh, met up with, uh, with some Twitter friends recently, which was really nice. It was, uh, and, uh, and I think it was like a lot of people two years i think before i kind of since i last spoke to someone i didn't <laughs> didn't already know we've just been existing in our and uh, our, our tight little networks i'd always been a, a fairly fluid speaker and uh, until i was ill uh yeah. and then i kind of assumed uh that I'd come back but I, uh, I, was, i was kind of conscious when i, I met these people they're, they're, they're really lovely people had a really nice afternoon I was kind of, um, I said, like, I did lots of abilities to sort of follow films and things for a while. Kind of having trouble following the conversation. Kind of wondered right. if some of that was uh, because I didn't really know them. So if I'm speaking to my friends, I kind of yeah. kind of know their rhythms and I know their, their, their modes of speech. Kind of get used to reading people. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm sort of comfortable in that little network. And then I sort of get outside of it. And then, but yeah, but this is, uh, this is absolutely fine. So. No, you're doing very well, and we're waffling on, and we've probably got, you know, pretty much as much as we need. You are educating, so in the sense of if someone else has got long COVID, they could listen to this, and they might go, oh, I've got these symptoms, I'm not Yeah, right. definitely. So there, there is a, a sort of reason for it, that it goes beyond that kind of, you know, the fact that you can just talk about who you are and what you are. That's why I like to um, just ask about emotions and things, so mm. it's very important to express you know, when you're feeling disconcerted or upset with yourself. So there's a lot of things I just hadn't really thought about. And the, te- the temptation, if been asked about them for the first time, would be just to give some glib answer, which I didn't want to, uh, didn't want to do. So I kind of wanted to go away and have a, a think about what, uh, what, the, what the truth of it was and, uh, and, and try and be honest. Don't you think, though, I mean, you, you hear these phrases like throughout your life of people saying things like there's a fine line between sanity and insanity. Mm. And you don't until you face a situation, you don't realise that it's quite true or there's a fine line between, uh, you know, having a job and being homeless. It's quite mm. a fine line, isn't it? And it suddenly becomes very real when you're actually dealing with something. And that's that hurts in a way as well, because you're like, well, I, I've always been able to solve all of mm. my problems and then when you've got something that you can't solve say you break your arm you know that after six to eight weeks you will take the cast off okay it'll be a bit sore and ache and and you know that you've done it but that you carry on my friend mark who spoke about the diabetes is what he said he said after six months he kind of woke up one day and thought well i should be cured now yeah and he wasn't he, he carried on with it and and i feel the same way in a way that every time that you lurch from one sort of 
thing to another. So being in hospital with cancer and then you think you come out of hospital and part of the mental breakdown for me was I just had the operation really quickly within a couple of weeks of having the diagnosis and then just carry on. That doesn't work yeah. really because you then don't process it. And as a, as a bloke, you then just pent it all up inside and end up having a bit of a mental breakdown. That's it. Yeah, that is absolutely the, uh, the male way to go about things. Yeah, probably the same. If you if you if you're generally healthy, you don't really know how how ill is ill. Like even even when I first had COVID, uh, and I was kind of lying in bed, and uh, and I was listening to the uh, the radio about kind of all the people in hospital, and I was thinking, well, how ill am I? Do I need to be in hospital? Is that gonna is this gonna get much worse? And then I had these little um these little milestones kind of. Uh, uh, and, the, and the big one was because I was coughing away, but it was, uh, it was a really dry cough. And even though I was, I, I was sort of getting breathless, I wasn't having trouble breathing. And I thought, if, if you know, if this starts to get gurgly, or if I uh, if I really can't get my breath, then yeah, then I'll then I'll phone someone. And then and, and of course, in the early days, I had to, you, you know you had no idea how ill you were going to get because at least if it's flu or something, you know you're going to get so ill, and then you'll yeah. get better hopefully. You know, if you're a, a, a young, young, healthy man like me, just had no idea. Like, uh, is this hospital ill? Is this not hospital ill? <laughs> I'm still getting to the toilet. Is that good? Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was probably another measure. Of... <laughs> no, no longer get to the toilet. It's probably time to call someone. <laughs> Maybe we should come back in six months' time, and then I can reevaluate you. <laughs> I'll happily, happily come back. For, you. Happily come back for return, uh, return visit. It's been interesting well, actually you'll probably you'll re, re, redo the podcast and you won't remember that we've done one because yeah i was thinking one advantage of, of forgetting stuff is that you could watch all those old films that you really like watching that you've never watched for ages because <laughs> you don't watch them anymore because you remember them but then you could watch them again now because they're so you've forgotten about them there, there must be some advantage <laughs> you've got to turn it I mean, I, I kind of—I didn't realise that there's there's different ways of forgetting, which I hadn't uh, hadn't thought about before. That there's the there's the usual thing where you kind of uh, you 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 know forget where your keys are or something, and then you and then you remember where your keys are, and uh, but you, at least you know you've uh, you've forgotten something. I, even now, it, it it still happens. Someone will tell me something really important, something really unforgettable. <laughs> 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 and then you for, and then you forget and uh <laughs> someone told me uh something about a, a, a serious illness of a, of a relative of, of theirs however uh the only reason i know they told me is because they uh, subsequently spoke to me again uh and i'd uh, forgotten about it and i could tell that's the most insulting thing in the world <laughs> to just talk. Well, it's not insulting, <laughs> you know, is it? Well, you know, it's, it's, anything can disappear, whether it's important or not important. Uh, but yeah, if you, you know, if if you tell something, tell someone, kind of, uh, you know, oh, my dad died, and then uh, and then you, yeah, uh, you don't want to get the next day, and they go, uh, what? Dad died? You know, that that's it. <laughs> kind of sends the message. I like, I think your life is so trivial. <laughs> I cannot remember it for a week. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. I'd love to hear from listeners. If you have any comments or would like to join in the Convo Waffle, please make contact on my website, alex-green.co.uk. So join me next time for even more Convo Waffle. Until then, TTFN!